downtown through Greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. It is indeed. An hour number two is underway. Seven minutes past 10 o'clock. We are foregoing the traditional Reagan top of the hour open because uh, I want to have a little bit more time with Peter Kersenow, who will be joining us uh, prior to Rudy Giuliani, who will be at the bottom of this hour. And uh, we do continue on this Tuesday, the 27th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord 2020 with Peter Kersenow, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, the longest serving such member. He is also, of course, a Cleveland attorney, a best-selling author, a columnist for the National Review, and he hosts the Kersenow Report on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, good morning. Morning, Bob. Hey, compliments to Derek on the bumper music. Really appreciate it. <laughs> yes, I agree. Very well done. That works perfectly. All right, Peter Kersenow, um Last night, um, we, you know, we, we watched the uh, Republican-led United States Senate do its job. Uh, their job was to replace a vacancy or to fill a vacancy on the United States Supreme Court. They did so with President Trump's extraordinarily qualified choice of Amy Coney Barrett. And the reaction from <clears throat> the left was embarrassing. I think equal parts embarrassing and dangerous. Uh, CNN, for example, pouted and kept a chyron over the screen for the entirety of the event that said Trump's Supreme Court nominee about to be sworn in at White House at another potential super spreader event. They wanted to say they shouldn't be there because there could be uh, COVID being spread there. They were doing everything they can to diminish uh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett and her presence now on the now nine member strong United States Supreme Court. The dangerous, that's the embarrassing part. The dangerous part, Peter, is the number of liberals screaming, that's it. Ed Markey, Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey, for example, we must expand the court. They want to expand the court by at least four liberal justices, making it a 13-member body that will have an, a, a liberal uh, uh, advantage. And, of course, if they lose that advantage, they'll continue continue to do that. They're talking about expanding the court. They're talking about adding states. They're talking about doing everything. They're talking about getting rid of the, the um, legislative filibuster. All because Mitch McConnell had the chutzpah to do his job, which was to fill a Supreme Court vacancy, I don't care how close to the election it is, in a majority member um, uh, uh, body of the United States Senate that matches the party of the presidency. So uh, what are your thoughts on, now that it is official, the left's immediate call for essentially uh, uh, overturning 150 years of American history? I think it's important to take them at their word. They've been talking about this for quite some time. It's gotten amplified during the Trump administration on steroids, and it has really taken on a great urgency during the Amy Coney Barrett confirmation process. But I think we have to take them at their word that that's exactly what they plan on doing. If you listen to the floor speech of Chuck Schumer, also, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, they all talked about in terms of if they didn't use, I can't recall who used retribution. I, I don't recall if that was Warren, but it doesn't matter who it was. They're all on the same page. They want payback, and part of that payback is an assumption of power that is not provided for in the Constitution. Uh, and in fact, it would completely derogate the notion of separation of powers because their aim in packing the court is, of course, to turn the court not into an adjudicative body, not, in, mm. not into a third branch, but into a legislative branch. They're going to pack the court with people who, you know, act like many of their uh, nominees to the court, and that is they decide on policy as opposed to deciding the law in the manner in which 
uh, Amy Coney Barrett, a Scalia, a Thomas, and Alito do. Uh, that's a very, very, very dangerous prospect. Uh, you cannot overstate how dangerous that is. But you also indicated some of the other components that they've been talking about for a while. That is adding D.C., perhaps Puerto Rico and Guam to the United States, giving them an insuperable majority in the Senate. And they would effectively control all three branches ad infinitum. There would be really, at least until there's some significant demographic change, there wouldn't be a chance for Republicans ever to win again. Uh, it would be totalitarian. For someone to say something like that... Which is what they capture, want. Yes, it should capture everybody's attention. They're serious about this. When you've got the, they, they control all the institutions. We've talked about this before, Bob, you know, the long march through the institutions, but they have achieved it with the exception of the White House for right now. And I do believe Trump's going to win for the reasons we discussed last week, um, with the exception of uh, the Senate for right now. And, um, you know, with, with the exception of the Supreme Court for right now. Um, it's something that they don't have complete and utter control over, but they've got all other institutions that matter, academia, major businesses and corporations, um, all of the cultural institutions, you name it. You know, uh, you talked about CNN. There's a price to be paid for doing something like that. I saw that CNN lost $100 million uh, in the last reporting period. Look, no one wants to listen to this kind of stuff, but they have achieved what I mean by that is this kind of one-party rule and one-party monopoly right. in terms of the public discourse. But they have achieved some element of that, and we should be very, very concerned about this. You cannot overstate the danger to the republic based on what they've been saying. They've absolutely lost their minds. Well, they have, Peter. And um, you know the, what, what their reaction has been and what Chuck Schumer's threat is, and he said this yesterday as well. He said, when the American people choose to give us back the majority control of the Senate, the Republicans can say nothing about wo the way we run it. In other words, suggesting that the Republicans are the ones who change the rules, that the Republicans are the ones that try to institute totalitarianism and one-party rule, et cetera, et cetera, when all Mitch McConnell has done is follow the playbook set by Harry Reid when he invoked the nuclear option. This was their decision on how to handle uh, uh, um, confirmations, needing simple majorities, etc. All they're doing is playing by the Democrat playbook. But what they're really saying is, we lost four years ago a race that we absolutely thought we would never lose. We didn't think that one-third of the Supreme Court and 200-plus federal judicial vacancies would be filled by Donald Trump. They had no, no fear whatsoever because Hillary was going to win. And now that the chickens have come home to roost, as a famous reverend once said, uh, for the Democrats, they don't like it. So all of their, their foot stomping and their pouting and their screaming is, is because they, you know, they're not upset with the rules. They're upset that they don't get to uh, um, take advantage of them because they lost something that they never thought they'd lose. Right. And Chuck Schumer, as you indicated, has a conveniently short memory. At least he portrays that he does. Chuck Schumer was one of the cheerleaders for what Harry Reid did. Now, it's extremely dangerous what they're contemplating, but Chuck Schumer has been burned once, and she, he should give very serious thought to this again, because he can be burned again very, very badly. Uh, the problem is that incredible damage will be done to the republic if he goes forward on this. But remember, last time when Harry Reid did abolish the filibuster, they made a, a number of other changes, too. The Democrats were all in favor of it. They were cheerleading for it, and a number of us were saying 
be careful what you wish for, because when right. the Republicans get a majority, you guys are going to be ruining the day that you did this. And it happened in very, very short order, and their heads were spinning as a result. They're the ones who got themselves in this fix. It wasn't Republicans. And now they intend to double down, but in a much more dangerous fashion, one that will really change the character of the republic. This is one of the reasons why I've, I continue to maintain absent voter fraud. I think Republicans are going to do very well next uh, Tuesday. And again, that absent voter fraud, that's not a minor caveat. Um, we are no. in weird times here, and there are multiple opportunities. You know, I don't mean to be uh, histrionic about this, but the fact of the matter is that there are so many different avenues by which it could be perpetrated. Now, I also believe that there are mechanisms to keep it in check, but that doesn't mean that it couldn't have an effect. Um, but other than that, I think, look, uh, these guys... This is, this is a pivotal moment in the nation's history. That's not an exaggeration. It's not hyperbole. It's not something that you say every elect election cycle. I think when you talk to, and I've, I've you know, heard folks on your show and other shows who call in, and they are very cognizant of the fact that this is a unique election cycle that we're in, that we're in a different place than we've had in any of our lifetimes, frankly. And this is one of the reasons why it's imperative that, look, I, I don't care if, if the guy's a, an R or a D, but it just so happens now that the Ds have all gone off the deep end. Um, I have got a lot of friends who are, who are Democrats, have been for a long time, um, and all of a sudden, many of them are looking at their party and are wondering what happened. I think Donald Trump has broken their brains. Something dramatic has truly happened here, but it's not funny. It is dangerous, and they are fully intent on implementing their lunacy. Everything from Green New Deal to the court packing to um, adding states, everything that will ensure them a permanent majority, and then there will be no means by which to deter all of their schemes. And we see their mentality worked out in academia and in the media, and it is a, for lack of a better term, a totalitarian mentality. And that's what they're trying to accomplish with respect to elimination of the filibuster and packing the court. Totalitarianism. Right. You walk in lockstep, and we see the media is no longer a check. They are cheerleaders for this totalitarianism. That's a dangerous place to be. Peter Kirsten now joining us. It's 1018. We'll take our time out here so we can come back and get a couple of other uh, points and issues covered, including last night more rioting, this time in Philadelphia after police shot a man who charged at them with a knife. Over 30 police officers have been hurt. And once again, the question of law and order. Who will stand up for it? And will police be allowed to be police in a Biden-controlled United States of America? We'll talk about that and more coming up on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, 1023. Uh, we continue now with Peter Kersenow for seven more minutes. Rudy Giuliani after the bottom of the hour news. We're going to talk more about that. That's why I'm going to hold off on talking to Pete about the Biden family 
uh, corruption activities. But Peter, last night, you know, Pennsylvania is uh, in large part the center of the electoral universe right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people feel like whoever wins Pennsylvania is going to is going to tip this thing. I know you don't necessarily feel that way. You feel like the president is going to win more comfortably, but it could come down to Pennsylvania, uh, and that is uh, why there has been so much time being spent there by President Trump and even by Joe Biden. Um, but I want to know how much you think the comment by Joe Biden about uh, killing the uh, the fossil fuel industry, transitioning away from oil and from natural gas and from coal and all the rest, uh, how much is that going to play in deciding Pennsylvania versus the issue of law and order, which we all know, you know, that police organizations all over the country have endorsed President Trump because of his commitment to law and order at a time in which cops are being attacked, unlike any other time in, in decades, uh, if not in all of American history. And last night it happened again. 30 police officers were injured in Philadelphia after police shot and killed a suspect with a knife uh, who came at them with a knife and would not drop it. Uh, and 30, uh, you know, more rioting, more smashing, more looting, more reparations, and yes, uh, attacks on police officers. So how do you think these events affect um, the, the Pennsylvania vote? I think that Biden's statement with respect to uh, transitioning out of oil and when the follow-up, he was really talking about fossil fuels, Mm-hmm. Uh, which meant coal also. I think that was a thunderclap. I think it sealed the deal for Trump in Pennsylvania. We'll see. But, you know, Byron York had an interesting article yesterday about, he said, other than the polls, which were wildly inaccurate last time, is there any iota, is there any evidence whatsoever that points to a Biden victory? None. In fact, it's one of the most pathetic campaigns in the history of campaigns, whereas Trump has got these spectacular campaigns, spontaneous demonstrations, caravans of thousands of cars, so on and so forth. The, the, I think the underlying motivation for a lot of folks, though, that switched a lot of people over to Trump and other Republicans was what we've talked about for a number of months, and that is the disintegration of society and societal norms that I think reached a peak when we saw all of the rioting and looting and the fires, uh, so-called peaceful protests over the summer. Normal people, as I've said before, normal people looked at that and they understood the Democrats were all in with that and Trump was standing firm with law and order. And then they heard what I believe to be the most insane statement. We'll see in the after-action reports. But I think it's the most insane political statement of my lifetime. That's when you had hordes of Democrats in multiple jurisdictions talking about, seriously talking about, and some implementing defunding the police and actually attacking the police in rhetorical terms that we've never heard before. So normal people look at that. They look at the fact that, you know, their property is being threatened, their lives are being threatened, societal norms are being threatened when you've got statues torn down. And also, I think, I don't mean mean to make too much of this, but I think it's one of those iconic moments when on several occasions in multiple jurisdictions, you had these um, BLM marchers and others, Antifa, who would not engage in overt violence, but they would do something that maybe had an even more profound effect on employers. And these videos went viral when they would sit down at outdoor cafes and take over the tables of diners there, actually helping themselves to their drinks and dinner. It was such an in-your-face moment, 
suggesting that societal norms have been abandoned. We're in charge now. There's nothing you can do about it. And people said, enough of this. So I, I agree with you. I think in terms of Pennsylvania, I do think that the, the whole thing with respect to fracking and oil and coal is one of those things where Trump, I mean, uh, Biden understood shortly after it came out of his mouth that that was one of his greatest gaffes. And boy, that's not saying a little, you know, that's pretty significant. Uh, and I do think when you saw reports of tremendous surges in people asking for their ballots back, they wanted to know, early voters wanted to know if they could change their vote. It happened right after that comment. Peter, staying on the Black Lives Matter, um, blacks versus police uh, narrative, yesterday Cleveland hit the 149 homicide mark this year compared to 102 homicides we had on this date in 2019. Um, in 2019, we finished with 129 for the entire year. We're at 149 now, and all of November and December lie in front of us. Um, if my numbers are correct, 142, or it was 143, of those 149 are black perpetrators, black victims. How is anybody to take, especially when they go to the ballot box, the complaints of Black Lives Matter seriously when that is going on and no one, not one word from that kid from Akron, not one word from anybody in a position of prominence or a position of elected authority is saying a damn thing about it. 149 homicides in Cleveland. Do you realize that that rate per 100,000 residents is much higher than Chicago's? And Chicago is a shooting gallery. This is going on, and it's almost exclusively black perpetrator and black victim. Do black lives matter, or do they not, Peter Kersenow? Well, you know, I mean, you know, I've been on this for a long, long time. Let me just tell you, give you another data point. Everyone thinks that this helps the Democrats, at least the Democrats act as if it does. They're, they're actually promoting this kind of activity. It's really stunning, it, rhetorically doing so. But here's the thing. In the last three months, Donald Trump's approval rating among blacks has gone from 15% to 38%. The bulk of that has come up since October 1. That's extraordinary. We've never seen anything like that since Eisenhower. At the, well, actually, Nixon was close. At the same point in 2016, Trump was at an 11% approval rating. If he's at 38% now, game over for Democrats. You know my old math on this. You can take this to yeah. the bank. A Democrat must get 88% plus of a robust black turnout or turn out the lights for the Democrat. Hillary got 90%, still lost by 4 million because she lost 4 million fewer votes than Barack Obama had uh, black votes. So I think that when you talk about um, black on black crime and the tremendous surge across the nation in crime and murder rates, and, and this happens every time there's a Ferguson effect, um, the people who live in those neighborhoods who are law-abiding, as Heather McDonald says, you know, 90% of these people want more cops. Oh, there was a poll that said 81% of blacks want the same or more police. The same or more. But the, right. Exactly. But the media tries to make it seem as if blacks want fewer police, defund the police. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's why I think this no. is insane, and it works to the advantage of Donald Trump, who stood firm on this issue. Peter Kersenow, uh, the next time we're scheduled to talk will be Election Day. We may call on you before that for last-minute uh, advice and, and uh, analysis. All right, Pete? 
Happy to do so, Bob. Take care. Thank, thank you, Peter. Peter Kirsten now joining us. We'll get news now. Former New York mayor and current Trump advisor Rudy Giuliani will join us next. two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer couldn't be a better liner to uh begin this segment than that one two sides to every story the mainstream media side and the truth and the mainstream media side when it comes to the joe biden hunter biden uh, to the uh, 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 Kazakhstan, Ukrainian, Chinese story is to remain silent. That's their side of the story. Here is a different side of the story from Rudy Giuliani. Well, what he said is absolutely correct, and I can back it up with documents right from the hard drive. Here's a document in front of me which says that 10% of a $30 million deal with Chinese communists was going to go to the big guy. There are then three more documents in which he's referred to Joe Biden is as the big guy. And uh, and then Mr. Bobolinsky defines him as the big guy. In other words, Joe was going to get on this deal about three million dollars just for him. Just for him. And uh, the left's defense is, ah, Rudy Giuliani's a Russian asset. Rudy Giuliani uh, can't prove any of these things. He's working on behalf of Vladimir Putin. What do you say we ask him about that now as we welcome the former mayor of New York City, longtime Trump confidant and advisor. Rudy Giuliani joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, Mr. Mayor, it's good to have you on the program. How are you, sir? I am very, very good, and I have to just report to you that I haven't talked to Vladimir Putin in, <laughs> oh, eight, 17 years or something. Well, 16 years? Well, and I don't somehow. speak Russian. And I don't speak Russian. It wouldn't do any good. Well, well, well no, wait a second. Um, you don't necessarily have to speak the language of the country that is in, enriching you to do all kinds of nefarious things. Look at Hunter <laughs> Biden. He didn't, he, he didn't speak Ukrainian well, or Russian and somehow me, managed... If, if, if they're enriching me, they're putting it in a private account and they haven't told me where it is. <laughs> they're trying to ruin my reputation. They're trying to deprive me of the ability to make a living. They've already gotten one of the people involved with me basically fired from a law firm. These people are disgusting, crooked. They act like the mafia. The Biden family has been a crooked family for 30 years. And also, Joe Biden has got to be one of the worst fathers I've ever seen after going through this hard drive. This kid, this kid has this terrible drug problem because his father can't keep him out of the family business. The family business is shaking people down for money. And they've been doing it since James was a crooked uh, a lobbyist. And then Joe would do their bidding. The family would hold the money. The family would buy the property. And now we have an answer to the question that the dumb reporters asked for five years. How does Joe have five homes on the salary of a senator? How does he live like a multimillionaire when he made no money? Because his family takes care of the expenses. And then according to a text message from Hunter to Naomi Biden, Hunter has to kick back half the money to dad. And he says, for 30 years. For 30 years, Hunter has been a bag man 
for Senator Biden and for Vice President Biden. And any father that would use a drug-afflicted son as a bag man is one lousy father. Mr. Mayor, let me ask you this about that. Um, Much has been made during this campaign of Joe Biden's 47 years in D.C., you know, and not getting anything done. How does a guy that corrupt and and involved in that much corruption uh, with his family get by 47 years because we've only really in the last year started learning uh, you know more about and it was the impeachment scandal really that kind of turned us on to when joe biden tried to and in fact successfully got the ukrainian prosecutor fired who was looking into burisma and his corrupt son is this new behavior or has he been doing this for 40 years and nobody just caught on to it until now well i've been i've been i've been saying from the witnesses that i have oh must go back a year now that the Biden family has been corrupt from the days they were in Delaware. And it's not it's not a big secret. I mean, there are articles all over the newspapers with these little scandals breaking out. I mean, like when his son got out of college or law school, he got a job right away with the MB, MBNA Bank, biggest mm-hmm. bank in Delaware. They made him a vice president right, right out of school. And they paid him an enormous salary. And theoretically, he showed up for work, but pretty much reported that he showed up for work every couple of weeks. Meanwhile, Joe became known as Senator MBNA. And he lobbied for them uh, on bills that would be totally inconsistent with what Democrats would do. For example, he was the only Democrat who lobbied against amendments to the bankruptcy law that would help poor people and hurt banks. Meanwhile, they were, they were funneling all kinds of money to his campaigns. They were hiring his his uh, brother as a lobbyist and giving him excessive amounts of money. And they were paying, they had his son in a no-show job. So this isn't new for Joe. And why does he get away with it? Because the press likes him. He's one of, he's one of the Washington crew. He's not a Donald Trump, a disruptor. And they hate disruptors because it's a nice, cozy little thing they're doing. Mm-hmm. And if you think he's the only Democrat that's doing it, he's not. This is, this is, this Let me ask you this. During the Clinton years, the Clintons did this from the time they were in Arkansas. They were little grifters in Arkansas. And then they became big thieves in the White House. And then they became world-class thieves when they had the Clinton Foundation. But nobody investigates them because they're Democrats. And you'll pay a price with the media if you investigate them. All of a sudden, you become the great right-wing conspiracy that's going after these wonderful people. It's a, it's a terrible thing that's going on, and the censorship now should really tip everybody off about how corrupt this is. I mean, where, where the heck does Facebook and Twitter come off? Not, not printing the articles in the, in, in, the, in the New York Post. I have the documents in front of me. They're all true. And not well, I'll, I'll go one. I'll go one step further than that, Mr. Mayor. Um, I, I'll go one step further than that. Facebook and Twitter, that is bad enough because so many people get their quote-unquote news from those sources. But what about taxpayer-funded NPR? National Public Radio made a statement to their to their listeners and to their, uh, their, their site visitors saying that this is a nothing story. It's nothing that is provable, so we're not going to waste our time or yours reporting on it. That's different than Facebook. You know, we're talking about NPR now, and they won't do their jobs. Well, I mean, that's tr- what, what they said is not only uh, you know covering up things, 
It's a complete lie. It's totally provable. I have a I have a memo in my hand that goes back to May 13, 2017 at 2.49 a.m. That is the secret memo that contradicts the public contract. The public contract between the three Chinese communists and the Biden family <clears throat> is for $10 million a year, $1 million up front to Hunter, which is paid, and the, 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 the public partners are James and uh, Hunter and James' wife. However, you dig down into the emails that they don't want to look at. There's a private little memo. And in the private memo, they take 10% out and they say 10% held by H for the big guy. There are then several text messages in which Hunter refers to his dad as the big guy. Some of them going back to 2012, six years before. Well, clearly, Joe Biden is getting 10% and he's in partnership with three Chinese communist intelligence officers. And we want him for president of the United States? And the American people shouldn't learn this before? I mean, this isn't yeah. just a crime. Well, this is national security we're talking about here. I'm not making this up. No, it's right here. And that's what bubble is. Well, okay, let, 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 me, let me ask you about that, Mr. Mayor, because th this is the crux of the issue. See, I've read some of the stuff you're reading right now, and I've read the coverage of it as well. And to me, it is as damning as damning can get. And, and I get that. Um, and you said you're not making it up. But that's literally what they're saying you're doing. Uh, you know, we joked at the beginning, you know, you mentioned you haven't talked to Putin in 17 years. I joked about that, but that's literally what they call you. They're calling you a tool of the Russians. And, yeah, and I know it's in, and I know it's in, it's just insane. But but what do they base that on? I mean, you know, they have absolutely nothing, nothing I other than. Right. I haven't met with a Russian in I don't know how long, <laughs> five years. And then because I was representing him. Because I was representing him in the case, I stayed away. I stayed away from Russia. So, right. I mean, so I mean, I just don't understand how their answer to all of the evidence you have in front of you, corroborated by Bobolinsky, when you have a literal eyewitness willing to testify to congressional committees or anybody else to to the authenticity authenticity and the you know the verification of what you have in your hands there and that is on that hard drive, and their only answer is ah, it's Russian dis disinformation. They have no, they offer nothing in the way of evidence that this is Russian disinformation. They just call you names and say you're a Russian. I just don't understand how the media can be so complicit in allowing that without any evidence whatsoever to just dismiss a story. Well, I think uh, there are a couple of things. First of all, I think their hatred of Trump has become an, an illness. I think the hatred, you know, hatred can do terrible things to you. It can destroy your conscience, your rationality, your decency. It's done that. I also think there's a vested interest in this also. I mean, they're covering up for China, too, because they're all doing business in China. Big tech is not just doing this because they want Biden. They do want Biden because they can control. And they can do the censorship for the next four years if they get Biden. But they make a lot of money in China. I mean, just like they wouldn't really clearly say that this is the Chinese communist virus, which it is. There's a, there's a big movement in this country to cover up for China because the big buck, you make big bucks in China. And some of these people, their greed overwhelms what little patriotism they have. But let me read you one memo. You just need one that explains okay. everything. 
and that puts the lie to, I, I, even on Fox, I heard them say, well, there's no proof that Biden got money. Well, the 10% document is proof that Biden got money. But here's the proof that Biden got money. This is called an admission. It would be admissible in any court of law as direct evidence. It's from Hunter to his daughter, Naomi, on January 3rd, 2019, at 7.39 p.m. I love all of you, but I don't receive any respect, and that's fine, I guess. Works for you, apparently. I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard. Don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your side. That's that. That's a that's a startling um, statement. But Mr. Mayor, again, just because I want to, I want to have you know information that people can can share with one another. How? What? What? What confer Do we have? Do we have digital forensics experts that yes. have examined the the laptop yes. and, have, and and verified its authenticity and yes. the words you're reading yes, to us? Yes. 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 We have. We. Uh, I, I, I've done it. Bob Costello's done it. Uh, uh, Steve has done it, and I'm pretty certain from a leak that the FBI did it. Do you think that the Attorney General will act on this? Do you think he'll appoint a special prosecutor to investigate this? What the FBI should do is speak, well, I mean, yes, he should, of course. What he should figure out is what the hell's going on at the FBI. Yeah, well, you can't. Well, we, we can't expect the FBI to do anything, especially when it came out last week that the president plans to fire Chris Ray if he wins re-election. I mean, I would, I would give this to the uh, Drug Enforcement Administration or the Secret Service to investigate. And it's not because I don't trust the wonderful agents of the FBI. There's something seriously wrong in the headquarters of the FBI. Yeah, the leadership. There's cancer there. You know, and this is not the only thing they held back. They held back the Brennan note that would have cleared Donald Trump from the very beginning. Brennan wrote to Obama that Hillary Clinton was going to develop this Russian collusion plot in order to take pressure off her computer. Right, her emails. Now, as his defense lawyer, don't you think I would like to have had that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Mayor, <laughs> Mr. Mayor, last thing, because we're short on time here. Since you just brought up the name, I was going to ask you anyway. Do you think that knowledge of Biden selling access... Uh, and may, and enriching himself and his family with these deals with these you know Chinese communists and Ukrainian uh, oligarchs and so forth. Do you think that this rose to the presidency? Do you think President Obama knew about all of this? Well, I mean, if he didn't, he, he wasn't a president, right? I mean, there, there there are a lot of things that he says he didn't know, like Benghazi. He was asleep during Benghazi. Maybe he was asleep for all, all years he was president, but it's impossible that our intelligence services didn't pick this up. Among other things, I haven't mentioned the photographs. Every one of the photographs I have, Russia and China has, with him smoking crack, mm-hmm. with him smoking crack with three women and three men doing all kinds of crazy sexual acts. They got pictures of all the underage girls that are on that hard drive to squeeze them. It's, uh, I mean, it's... that's the way intelligence services work. Now, if our intelligence services don't have that... Then, then they're really selling out America. And I know Brennan was a terrible, terrible CIA director. Yeah. But I can't believe he was that terrible. And this information, uh, taken in its totality, should be disqualifying for any presidential candidate. And here we are. Well, we well, there's, a picture, there's a picture of Obama and Hunter Biden in the Oval Office. Before that took place, the CIA director should have walked in 
and said, Mr. President, I know he's the son of the vice president. But this guy is a is a uh, uh, this guy is a degenerate drug addict. And he yeah. goes out with prostitutes that may very well be supplied by uh, foreign agents. And it's not like that was unknown. He was booted from the Navy for his drug addiction, for goodness sakes. It's not as if this and, is And, and if the president anybody. wasn't notified, then they, they really, uh, they were not just a crooked administration, they were an incompetent one. Mr. Mayor, I appreciate it. We're out of time. I appreciate all the information Thank that you, you are cont- continuing to uncover for the American people. Let's just hope well, that the people are listening out. if the media are not. Yep, I know. You're doing it. You're doing it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you. That's Rudy Giuliani working on behalf of the President of the United States. And yes, what I said to him is true. He's working on behalf of the American people. Let's hope since the media won't listen, that the people will. We'll be right back. Okay, five minutes left in our broadcast. Rudy Giuliani was fired up, to say the least. I, uh, For those on the radio side, you did not hear uh, uh, the former mayor drop uh, a BS line uh, out of frustration. But if you were listening online via our stream on whkradio.com or via the app or radio.com or any of the other places, you heard him. But uh, I got to tell you. Um, I understand his frustration. I really, really do. The things that have been said about him trying to tie him to Russia, trying to say that he is working on behalf of Putin and Trump in order to try to take down Biden and blah, blah, blah. I understand it. I really do. You know, there are times when even a decent man is pushed just a little too far and just bursts and explodes on somebody about something. And uh, that was one of those times. And I get it. I get his frustration. I share it. And uh, I won't apologize for uh, for him. And I'm sure he wouldn't either because uh, he's he's really um, enormously frustrated, as he should be. Chris is in uh, Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Chris. You're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, hey. Good morning, Bob. <clears throat> yeah, I understand that, too, with um, uh, uh, Rudy. Um, I can understand that frustration. That's happened to me a few times where, you, you know, uh, you just go off the edge and you, you, it, it just it's frustrating what the Democrats are doing. My question to you, Bob, was um, mm-hmm. when uh, President Trump gets reelected, and I believe he will, uh, 100%, um, is there anything he can do to stop this lunacy with the Democrats, you know, stacking the uh, courts and, and wanting to add states and all that other nonsense that they're talking about? Well, you know, uh, like anything else, with respect to changing the law, um, it would have to pass both houses of Congress and then be signed by the president. So if they want to change the law and literally change the Constitution in terms of the number of members of of the uh, Supreme Court, uh, the president would have to go along with it. That's why it's so important that we, we win the presidency. But I don't want it to come down to that. We need to make sure that we hold on to the Senate as well. The best way to stop the left from doing all of these radical, retaliatory things that they're talking about is to maintain control of the Senate. We've got to keep the majority. That's the best way to stop it, my friend. Chris, thank Amen, you for brother. the call. Let me get a couple more in before. Let me get a couple more uh, before the bottom of the hour, or excuse me, the top of the hour. Shalom in Cleveland Heights. Shalom, go ahead. Hey, welcome back, Bob. Um Glad you're back on the radio. Um, yeah, the mayor was Thank quite you. feisty there today, and I think that that uh, word he dropped may have come through the airwaves, but uh, you can double-check that later. But I, I just wanted to make two points. First of all, all the invective and the hatred that the left has towards Trump and the Republicans for uh, for seating um, 
Judge Barg, now Justice Barrett. I mean, it's totally misdirected. We knew back during the Obama years that RBG was in bad health. She had many opportunities at that time to recuse herself or, or leave her seat, just pretty much assuring that Obama would appoint a leftist judge to fill that seat. She is a self-serving narcissist for taking that seat to her grave, ensuring that it now fell into conservative well, hands. There, so there, there are a lot of liberal Democrats who really, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're right, Shalom, and thank you for the call. There are a lot of liberal Democrats who were furious with her when she passed away, that she didn't do exactly that, and that is resign while Obama was still in office so they could replace her with somebody for the next 30, 40 years who would be just like her. And she chose not to do that, and obviously timing was what it was. I appreciate the phone call. I'm sorry if I left you on hold. Uh, We were jammed with great guests today. I hope you appreciated them. Joel Pollack, Peter Kersenow, and uh, Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Uh, Looking forward to talking to you again tomorrow. We are less than a week away from either saving or destroying this country, America. Make the right choice. We'll see you then.